Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the ECN Capital second quarter 2021 results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. John Wimsat. Please go ahead, Mr. Wimsat. Thank you, operator. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, first, I want to thank everyone for joining this call, uh, given the uh, day and time change uh, in light of uh, in light of today's news. Second, this call may last a little bit longer than normal, given that we'll discuss uh, both uh, the service finance transaction today, our Q our Q2 results, as well as an update on the go forward. Uh, business and guidance. Joining us are uh, Steve Hudson, Chief Executive Officer, Michael Lapore, Chief Financial Officer, and uh, Randy Azzi, who's our Chief Investment Officer. A news release summarizing these results was issued this afternoon, and the financial statements and MPA for the three-month period ended June 30, 2021, have been filed with CDAR. These documents are available on our website at www.ecncapitalcorp.com. Presentation slides to be referenced during this call are accessible in the webcast as, as well as in PDF format under the presentation section of the company's website. Before we begin, I want to remind our listeners that some of the information we are sharing with you today includes forward-looking statements. These statements are based on assumptions that are subject to significant risks and uncertainties. I refer you to the cautionary statement section of the MDNA for a description of such risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. Although management believes that the expectations reflected in these statements are reasonable, we can obviously give no assurance that the expectations of any forward-looking statements will prove to be correct. You should note that today's earnings release, financial statements, MD&A, and today's call include references to a number of non-IFRS measures, which we believe help to present the company and its operations in a way in ways that are useful to investors. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS measures to IFRS measures can be found in our MDNA. All figures are presented in U.S. dollars unless explicitly noted. And with these introductory remarks complete, I'll now turn the call over to Stephen Hudson, Chief Executive Officer. Thanks, John. Turning to, we'll, we'll move through the slides fairly quickly today. I'm sure there's a, f a few questions on the service finance sale. Turning to slide seven. Uh, we are pleased to announce the sale of service finance to Truist Bank for $2 billion USD in an all-cash transaction. Uh, ECN will distribute to shareholders the net after-tax proceeds of approximately $1.5 billion by a special dividend of $7.50 Canadian. Michael Lapore will speak to that in a moment. This sale and its distribution demonstrates ECN's commitment to three things, our capital discipline, our shareholder stewardship, and maintaining a strong balance sheet to support ECN's continued growth. We expect the transaction to close in the fourth quarter of 21. Service Finance Management will join the point of sale lending unit at Truist National Consumer Finance and Payments Group and be remained based in Boca Raton, Florida. Turning to slide eight, this has been a eight, sorry, a 48-month, four-year partnership with the Service Finance team. They've been amazing partners. If I had to pick Ten things that stand out over the last four years. I would comment on the new programs, particularly the multi-lender platform and the complementary flow platform. I would turn you to vendor programs, Beacon Roofing, which we believe will be larger than Lennox, Mohawk Industry that sells one in three tile every tile in the U.S. Service Titan is another program. Number six would be the increased flow partners expanding from 13 to 28. Number seven would be the CPPIB program. As you know, CPPIB is the eighth largest sovereign wealth fund in the world. Number eight would be Michael's SAP, SAP implementation. Number nine would be how the business 
prospered and grew through the COVID pandemic. And number 10, most importantly, would be my partnership and friendship with Mark Birch and his team. We went to war and we won. Turning to page nine on the strategic rationale, ECN's focus is to manage and maximize investor capital within the commercial finance sector. We began that process in 17 and 18 when we sold our commercial and vendor finance businesses and reinvested that capital in consumer-facing finance businesses. Under ECN's ownership, service finance expanded meaningfully across all business matrix. Home improvement segment has been seeing increased bank participation, including the recent acquisition of Interbank by Regions Bank. And given the recent industry dynamics and the increased scale of service finance, we believe, and I believe, this transaction maximizes shareholder value and puts service finance in the best hands to thrive in its next phase of growth. And we're so happy that's Truist Bank. They've been a, a partner of ours for almost two decades. Turning to page 10, as you know, we, we have created a business model where we do no longer on balance sheet commercial finance. We've turned that into an asset light and origination and management business. We prefer to partner, not compete with our banking partners. If you look to the latter part of 10, the first four years, we've grown three successful platforms. We are now at 10 billion in annual originations. We're 33 billion in asset managed assets. We have significant growth and capital opportunities within front of us, sorry, significant growth and capital returns. And we've exited this afternoon one of our platforms at a six plus return. The next 18 months from my perspective and the team's perspective is equally as exciting as we continue to build upon the successful asset light model utilized by both tri Triad and KG. Triad, as you'll see in a second, has expanded its product menu and its take share strategy and developed further flow arrangements. We're quite happy with the progress of both Triad and KG. Turning to, pay, to slide 11, I think a number of you have seen this chart before. It just recaps the progression of ECN over the past five years. You'll note in the early part of this histogram, that we divested of a few businesses and reinvested that capital. We also purchased uh, capital back. And more recently, <clears throat> we've been able to drive uh, it, it, shareholder appreciation and this afternoon announcing the sale uh, of service finance and distribution back to our shareholders. Turning to page 10, sorry, it's slide 12. <clears throat> uh, we've, I will be extending my contract for the next five years we will be right-sizing ECN's uh, overhead expenses. That'll be right-sized to approximately $12 million. Our senior credit facility has been underwritten by our bank group and will stand at $700 million for the next four years. Our NCIB will, will be renewed for both common and preferred shares. Our common dividend, obviously, will we review the level, but we will, we will be maintaining a dividend going forward. Turning to slide 14, I think the two takeaways on this slide is Triad is a leader in affordable housing solutions. We provide the financing to that sector. The second part that I would focus you on is the full product menu that's now complete. Like we did with service finance, we've now, loaded a comp we've now rolled out a comprehensive take-share strategy with a full menu of product offerings, bank by banks, credit unions, and life codes who purchase those assets. And today you'll see we, we will we will announce shortly the last menu item, which are FHA loans. We're, the prospects of Triad are very bright, and you'll see what we are increasing guidance on Triad. I think everyone on this call has seen slide 15, 16. I would pause on slide 17 just to reflect the progression of the menu development and this make-share strategy at Service Finance. That was complementary flow and credit waterfall. In Triad's case, it's expanding the loan menu to fit the requirements of the marketplace and, more importantly, the investors who purchase these loans. I turn to slide 18. Uh, we've seen floor plan grow. This floor plan, as you know, is what drives the loan origination, in this case, chattels and mortgages. It's an important part that fuels the, uh, the start of the funnel. 19 is a new slide. We're pleased to announce this afternoon that Triad has been approved. As an FHA provider, uh, FHA is an extremely important product for the Canadians on the phone. The, the akin to this is the CMHC in Canada. 
The FHA will wrap our loans, our mortgages and chattels going forward. This is a final part of the menu. It's a very important part of the menu. You'll see a substantial increase in the origination estimates and forecasts in 2022. Finally, on page 20, <clears throat> one thing that we've, we've been able to drill down on, a number of things, but in particular, is that triads, loans, chattels, and mortgages are CRA eligible. CRA is a U.S. federal law that is designed to require U.S. banks to meet the needs of low and moderate income borrowers. It's an extremely important requirement for banks in the U.S. We've learned, and through our due diligence and review, that approximately 70% of Triad's 2020 loans meet CRA requirements. CRA, uh, CRA loans are tradable assets in the U.S. We'll be coming back to you with the value of CRA loans in the next quarter. Suffice it to say that a substantial portion of our loan production is CRA eligible. Turning to, to 21, as I mentioned a moment ago, we are increasing the guidance for, uh, for Triad in 2021 from 39 to 44 million up to 43 and 46 million. That's based upon the strong growth in our make share strategy as well. Our initial guidance for 2022 is in, be, is in being increased to 57 to 65 million and originations of 1.25 to 1.5. I happen to believe that the originations will be on the upper end of 1.4 to 1.5. Again, this is a successful implementation of our make sure strategy, whether it's land home, whether it's FHA, wrap, or, and other products like bronze chattel. John. Thanks, Steve. I'm on uh, slide 22. We're, 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 you guys have seen some of these slides in the past, so we'll, we'll run through them relatively quickly. But just, just on slide 22, just want to highlight KG, you know, historically for the last 40 years, has, has uh, built and attracted customers to the Affinity Card uh, portfolio space. That's, that's been its history. It's done that through strategic long-term relationships with top banks and issuers and proprietary data and analytics that drive uh, that expertise and those results over, over four decades. Today, it offers multiple solutions for customers. One of the things that we've always thought was important whenever we looked at an acquisition was buying, buying a franchise that had the ability to continue to, to expand, add products, add, uh, add core competencies, and expand on uh, what they did best. We, we clearly did that with service finance. As Steve just laid out, we've done that with um, Triad as well. And uh, going forward, and, and, and even over the last couple of years, we think we're, we're, we're really uh, on the verge of, of being able to say we're doing that with, uh, with Kessler as well. Uh, moving to uh, page 23, uh, obviously there is a series of core competencies that have driven three areas of the business, partnership services, marketing services, and transaction services businesses. Through those areas, we drive, we uh, manage and advise uh, credit card portfolios of over $27 billion. Uh, over time, the company has created over 6,000 credit card partnerships, co-branded credit card partnerships, um, and uh, we continue to expect um, you know, excellent results in the future. On page 24, just, just a bit about, about business drivers. As, as we've discussed in the past, uh, KG has um, a huge opportunity to expand, not, not only inside the credit card vertical, but across other verticals. Uh, like we talked about last quarter, telecom and other areas within, say, the marketing space, uh, credit card investment management uh, platform, et cetera. Uh, we use a series of proprietary data, deep relationships, and data analytics to drive those, uh, drive those opportunities. And in a minute, when we get into uh, the quarterly data, we can talk about some of the things that we've signed up over the last couple of quarters and maybe think uh, it could look like uh, over the next couple. On page 25, just talking about the KG outlook. We are tightening our 2021 adjusted operating income uh, before tax guidance to 46 to 49 million from 46 to 52 million. That's really just a reflection of better visibility uh, now that we've gotten through, um, you know, sort of seven, eight months of the year, and uh, we have better visibility now on transaction timing as it's going to land into 2021. Continuing rebound in the credit card industry should continue to drive growth into 2022. We see robust partnership opportunity uh, opportunities, and the CCIM business has identified several attractive investment management uh, possibilities uh, into 2022. 
marketing services continues to rebound from COVID-19, and we added a, a significant three-year marketing program with a large regional bank, among other marketing opportunities. And uh, looking at our initial guidance uh, for 2022, we're, we're, we're looking at 52 to 59 million in adjusted operating earnings before tax, which is about 17% growth at the business. Um, with that, I'm going to turn it back to Steve to talk about guidance. Actually, actually, Michael. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn it to Michael. Thanks, John. So page 26 provides a summary of our preliminary 2022 guidance. As covered by Steve and John, we expect strong growth from both Triad and KG in 2022, with Triad growing at approximately 37% and KG at 17% uh, compared at the midpoint compared to 2021. These results are driven by the growth opportunities at both Triad and KG that were just outlined by Steve and John. Corporate expenses will be brought in line with the size of the company going forward, <clears throat> and we are currently forecasting an effective tax rate to be uh, approximately 20% in 2022. And finally, we will provide more detailed guidance at our 20, 2022 Investor Day. With that, I'll turn it back to Steve. Oh. Nick. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, so we're on, we're on slide 28, and we're just going to start looking at uh, our Q2 overview. Um, we had strong results across all the businesses in, in Q2, reporting a $0.12 cents a share, which uh, compared to our investor day guidance of 11 to 13. Um, really, across each of the businesses, we saw strength, with uh, service finance having originations up around 27% year-to-year. We continued to build out a series of new programs. Uh, obviously, we want to highlight uh, Trident KG uh, today, but um, really excellent Q2 out of Triad this this, uh, this this year. Q2 originations up over 60% and we're well on track for a billion plus in 2021. Uh, Landhome on, is on track for about 150 million in 2021. That That is at the lower range of our previous guidance of 150 to 200 million. But as, as we've discussed in the past, it, our, our originations for this year were gonna be somewhat dependent upon what the backlogs looked like in the industry and we've seen the backlogs continue to extend. Um, the good news is, Monthly approvals and uh, have grown from 52 million to 52 million from 45 million last quarter, and we expect that to continue uh, to grow into into uh, 2022, and that should drive some really solid uh, land home numbers into next year. We are fully funded for 21 and into 22. We have 11 new partners year to date uh, at Triad. Uh, KG um, Q2 was ahead of management expectations. Very strong partnership income, and, and we continue to see the rebound in the marketing servicing side. Services side, uh, strong uh, growth pipelines are, are, are driving growth, and some new programs have officially launched. Um, turning turning to slide 29 on on, on service finance, um, solid solid uh, solid quarter of uh, 22.1 million dollars uh, adjusted operating income before tax. That's up 52% year to year. That's on 27% growth in originations and 25% growth in managed portfolios. Um, again. Uh, very, very strong quarter, uh, we're excited to report. Did, did want to report to you on some of the um, things that we had talked about previously, like um, our help for trading um, uh, assets. As you can see, they actually went up slightly in the quarter from 152 to 156 million. We're on slide 30. Um, subsequent to the end of the quarter, we did sell, uh, had a large sale at 174 million. Um, but importantly, we, we, we told you, uh, we told investors that we would turn this into a flow program. We were actually successful in accomplishing that in the uh, in the quarter, uh, in you know post the quarter, and uh, going forward, it would have been a, a, a flow arrangement. Page 31, you, you see the traditional originations chart. I'll leave it at that. And then uh, page 32, just want to give you an important update on the ESG side. As part of our ongoing commitment to ESG, in early 2021, we actually engaged Sustainalytics to give us a second-party opinion on the Service Finance Loan Program. Uh, Service Sustainalytics issued their opinion uh, last month. Uh, it was importantly a large majority of Service Finance originations materially improved the energy efficiency of the home. Uh, they contribute to several United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. That report can be found on the Sustainalytics website. I have the link uh, on the bottom of the slide here. We are shifting focus to Triad in Q3. We have we have engaged Sustainalytics as well, again, to take a look from an ESG perspective and evaluate the environmental and social uh, or you know waste and affordable housing, et cetera, attributes to the Triad, Triad Load Program, and we expect to have an update for that in Q3. With that, I'm going to turn it back to Steve to talk about Triad. 
Thanks, John. Uh, slide 33. <coughs> uh, Income before tax in the second quarter of 13, a little over 13 million up, 82% year over year. Both originations and approvals were up, were up strongly on a year over year. Land home is on track for 150 million in 21. Proud to report that we had six new bank and credit union partners added in the second quarter, which is 11 year to date. You'll see that uh, RSRs are up in the quarter. As you know, we've been able to launch land home and other mortgage type products, those require us to establish an MSR. That will be a pickup, a permanent pickup going forward. Uh, adjusted operating income has increased from 39 to 44 million up to 43 to 46. Turning to page uh, 34, again, strong approvals and strong originations. On page 35, uh, dock out are cases where we have documents out, they are signed, and we have a deposit in hand. These have a 99% closing rate. It's important to note that this backlog now stands, it says six months, but it's close to 12 months. In fact, we have certain uh, manufactured home builders who are no longer taking orders this quarter. Uh, they, will, they will resume taking orders when they're able to clear their backlog. This bodes well for our Q3 and Q4 as well into 22. Turning to land home on 36, that's well in hand. It's been rolled out and we're happy with the success of, of that expanded menu, our quote unquote, make share. Uh, held for trading assets are at a modest $36 million. We're happy with, with that basis. We had four new partners in the second quarter who purchased loan portfolios that we created for them. Delinquencies, credit trends are similar, although these portfolios are not owned by us, but managed, uh, managed for us on behalf of banks and credit unions and life insurers. Uh, we're very happy with the credit profile, both on delinquencies and charge-offs. Originations remain strong, as I noted earlier on slide 39. And John, I'm passing back to you on slide 40 for KG. Great, thanks, Steve. Again, uh, Kessler had a, had a very strong quarter with uh, adjusted operating income before tax up almost 43% to $13.4 million. That's on increased revenues of, of 31%. Obviously, their, their uh, expense discipline has been excellent. Um, partnership services revenues up almost 46% year to year. That's uh, really a reflection of solid growth uh, across multiple recurring revenue streams. Marketing services also improving as client activity continues to rebound from COVID-19. Um, transaction services, well, we didn't see any revenues in, in this quarter. The good news is we are starting to sign up new new deals, and, and, and we have uh, now uh, finalized negotiations to invest three partner programs, which should uh, result in at least $5 million of fees over the next uh, couple of quarters. Adjusted margin, EBITDA margin in the quarter is around 65%, uh, obviously very strong. Page 41. Partnership services, um, like I said, 46% year-to-year growth in uh, partnership services, drawn by, driven by both uh, strong traditional partnership businesses as well as continued growth in our CCIM platform. Uh, we have signed several new agreements to develop partnerships uh, outside of the credit card space, specifically in the student loan, identity protection, and BNPL space, or buy now, pay later, um, including a key partnership with a 12 million member organization in the student loan space. Very excited about this. Um, in addition to that, you know, the rollout that we talked about previously of the, the turnkey uh, banking as a service program continues. Um, we are up and running with that $4 billion credit union that was our launch customer. We're act, active and expect to be onboarding others uh, over the coming quarters. Page 42, uh, marketing services. Uh, again, you know, as we've discussed, and you started to see some news reports that, that marketing is starting to pick up, uh, and the credit card companies are out there at it again with direct mail, et cetera. Um, we have started to see uh, some, some of that pickup as well. Um, it continues to recover post-COVID-19. We've continue to work with our customers and continue to try to grow that business. We did win a new three-year marketing campaign with a large regional bank. That for the first campaign with that bank will launch, will launch in September. We did launch um, our uh, telco uh, uh, marketing that we talked about last quarter in the quarter with a 2.7 million uh, piece pre-screen mail campaign. And importantly, as we discussed last quarter, this expansion into other verticals has really taken shape. 
And if you look at some of this, identity theft was something we had identified previously, but looking forward, um, we are looking to do partnerships in Medicare supplement, subscription wine, subscription water, telemedicine, personal loans, in addition to the various financial services uh, marketing areas that we're in, such as credit card or student loan and, uh, and telco. So pretty excited about where Kessler stands. And with that, I'll turn it back to Michael to uh, run through the financial summary. Thanks, John. Turning to page 44 on the Q2 consolidated operating results. Total originations for service and finance and triad financial services of 913.4 million in Q2 2021 were up 35% compared to the same prior year quarter, reflecting a 27% increase in service finance and over 60% increase at triad. That growth drove Q1 adjusted or Q2 adjusted net income applicable to common shareholders to 29.5 million or a record 12 cents per share compared to 17 million or 7 cents per share in the prior year quarter. Turning to page 45 in the balance sheet, key highlights are that total assets and total debt were both up over the previous quarter, with total assets up about 72 million and total debt by approximately 43 million. The increase was driven primarily by the increase in health for trading assets at service finance and floor plan loans at Triad. Both total assets and debt decreased subsequent to quarter end as a result of the sale of the health for trading assets at service finance, with pro forma debt down approximately $126 million. As noted earlier, our complementary flow program has now been converted uh, to a regular flow program uh, at service finance. Managed advisory assets remained at approximately $33 billion, comprised of $3.5 billion at servicing assets at service finance, $2.8 billion in managed loans at Triad, and approximately $27 billion in advisory assets at KG. Turning to page 45 on the Q2 income statement, Q2 adjusted EPS was $0.12 cents per share, which is in the middle of our previous guidance range for Q2 of $0.11 to $0.13, cents, and in line with our analyst consensus. Q2 2021 adjusted EBITDA was $48.2 million compared to $31.3 million in the prior year quarter, a 54% increase driven by the growth of all th- at all three of our business segments. Finally, turning to page 47 in operating expenses, key highlights are business segment operating expenses were uh, increased primarily driven by the growth in originations and managed assets at Service Finance and Triad. Corporate operating expenses of $6.5 million reflect a return to normal activity levels for business development, professional services, and travel. As mentioned previously, we will reduce corporate expenses in 2022 to align with the size of the business going forward. Finally, legacy business expenses were $2.1 million in Q2 2021, which were largely offset by legacy business revenues. With that, I'll pass it back to Steve. Thanks, Michael. Uh, On slide 49, just in closing, we're pleased to report the service uh, finance transaction return to capital to our assurables is very important to us, as well as maintaining a strong balance sheet to support ECN's continued growth. The Q2 results were in line with expectations. Uh, the 12 cents of earnings per share was up almost 6% year over year. Uh, we're happy with the growth of all of our platforms. And on the capital management aspect, pleased to report our dividend of $0.03 cents this quarter. We've also actively repurchased preferred and common shares in the second quarter. With that, operator, we're happy to open the call to uh, questions. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question, please press star, then 1 on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then 2. There will be a brief pause while the participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The first question comes from Jeff Kwan with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. 
Hi, good evening. Um, my first question was, you know, after paying the special dividend, like how much do you expect to have like ballpark in terms of either net debt or net cash? And then are there plans to perhaps buy another platform or platforms? And if so, what types of businesses uh, would, would be the types of things that you'd have interest in? Thanks, Jeffrey. Um, I'll answer the first part of the question. On debt levels, uh, once once everything's um, settled, we expect to have debt levels of approximately $350 million, uh, in for the remaining businesses, supported by the remaining businesses. I would, I, with the second part of the question, Jeff, we, we obviously are in the midst of a significant growth ramp in uh, Triad. That's the focus of this business in the third and fourth quarter as well as continued growth at KG. As you know, we've developed something pretty unique here, which is how to take commercial finance assets, which up to four years ago were really on non-bank balance sheets. And we built a model, I think a successful model, on how to convert those into uh, into flow arrangements. We have been approached by some other parties and assets categories we, we know of. Obviously not home improvement. We'll have a, a, a non-compete in that for a period of time. But I think you can look at us growing it. All that said, we can do that in our balance sheet. And we're very confident we can grow the balance sheet of this company. Okay, so so there is the possibility that we may see you enter into a new platform, I guess is what you're saying. Well, not nothing new, Jeff. You know, I'm 62 years of age. I kind of know what works and doesn't work. I've had both good and bad experiences, so... You know, we we will stick we will stick to our knitting. We're only going to originate assets that our bank, credit unions, and LifeCo partners want to see. So, in the short term, Jeff, it's all about executing on Triad and, and KG. Service Finance was a tremendous company. Triad's better, and and KG is good as well. But we are we are the premier provider of affordable housing solutions in the U.S. That industry segment is going through rapid growth, particularly by this new administration. And I, 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 you're, you're, I think we're all going to be hopefully pressed by the results of of Triad and KG, but Triad in particular over the next 20, next 18 months. Okay, because yeah, my my follow up question, I, I think I think you may have answered it, but just wanted to ask it anyways. Is, is thinking about the long term strategies, so not obviously over the next year or two. Is it then? You know, pretty much keeping the business you have. Maybe you expand some of the products um, that you're willing to originate, as opposed to a long, long-term strategy of recycling capital, but by buying, growing, monetizing assets, um, and kind of wash, rinse, repeat over time. Yeah, yeah. I think Jeff, it's we're, you're right. Our our focus in the next 24 months is to execute on Triad and KG, and I think we've done a pretty good job on service finance. And you'll see the increased guidance for Triad this evening. That's our focus. And then we'll, you know, we've been, I think, pretty good stewards of capital. Um, and we partner with banks well. So let's let's come back to that question in 24 months. Let, 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 let's, let us, we got to go back to work and continue to execute on our growth strategy. Okay. And just one last question is, is I know the deal is expected to, to close near year end, which I guess makes it a bit simpler. But just wanted to know how this transaction, how it impacts his compensation expense, how it's determined for this year, and also kind of going forward to the extent that you can talk about it, and, and separately, if there's any aspect of um, of the deal um, that that will impact compensation. Yeah, no, Jeff. The, the, a, a quick answer to this is that no one on the ECN team, no no member of senior management, no member, no employee will receive compensation. We're completing this transaction. We're in the business of of managing shareholder capital. We'll get our boot, our bonuses in due course, but they won't be any any different than the bonus laid out in the proxy process. So there's no special bonus or deal bonus whatsoever. Going forward, obviously, I'm going to lead by reducing my base and my bonus um, to right size this company. You know, this, this management team, as you know, Jeff. We're the second largest shareholder. We look at the entire management team, direct or indirectly. So I think we look at this uh, this platform through the lens of a shareholder first and an, an employee second. Uh, did I answer your question? No, that's that's helpful. Thank you very much. 
The next question comes from Vincent Kantik with Stevens. Please go ahead. Thanks for taking my question, and I uh, just wanted to congratulate you. It's, it's quite a thing to turn uh, 300 million into 2 billion in four years, so very uh, well done. Um, so uh, first question, uh, organically, when you talk about Triad and, and Kessler. So you highlighted the, the things you brought to service finance in terms of adding uh, different products, the marketplace, and so so on. And with Kessler, or sorry, with Triad, um, you were you talked about mm -hmm. now you had it a, a, a full uh, product suite. I'm wondering when you think about say the next 24 months and uh, you know pushing execution there. What uh, are there other things you were thinking about um, to add or to invest in? Kind of a similar question to Kessler too. Yeah. What what do you uh, foresee going yeah. for the next 24 months? Yeah, thanks, Vincent. If, if you look to, we talked about in essence loan, chattel, and mortgage products. Uh, second goal, but if you look to the underlying affordable housing crisis in the U.S., there's been some recent interesting initiatives. We probably all saw that, that Elon Musk is now living in a 400-square-foot home on the site of SpaceX. Those homes on a regulatory definition are, are what they refer to as park park homes. They are 400, 400 square feet and smaller. Um, they're kind of interesting if you've got free time. <laughs> And look at that. We think that we are going to become a significant participant in park homes, park RV homes, and as well something called tiny homes. It really goes park up to 400 square feet, and then tiny homes from 400 to 800 square feet, and then to manufactured housing. So we have increased spectrum of loan products, and we have an increased spectrum of uh, type of homes um, that we are underwriting. Um, those are, those are powerful powerful drivers, you know. If you look, it's interesting. If you go look at it and say our forecast originations in 22 are a billion four, a billion eight. If I remember correctly, I think when we acquired uh, Triad, it's, it was originating about two to three hundred million a year. Um, you know, I, we haven't had a chance to overlay that growth with service, but it's probably um, probably at or better than that growth. So, growth growth in type of loan products and growth in the type of affordable homes. That we're originating again, we're not degrading the credit profile. We'll originate loans, chattels, and mortgages that fit the requirements of our institutional investors. John, did you want to? Yeah, I just want to say if you look at page 17 here, we have this expanded menu. I mean, if you look over to the right side, there's a series of statistics. As you know, Core Chattel is the business that we bought from from Don Glisson and, and and Triad. I mean, that that's a business that that you know it's national. It's done fantastically. But just look at our originations here today. They're up 59% year over year. That's the core business. So that's the most mature business that we have, and we're still looking at growing that 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 materially. Look at the other businesses that we have. The other ones are relatively new. All of them have sizable end markets. But look at them today. Yeah, you've seen some some tremendous growth, but there, you know, from a mix of our originations perspective, you got silver at three percent, land homes only six percent today. That's an area we think can be bigger than chattel over some period of time. Bronze is only two percent, rental two percent, CLP is a brand new program that's at zero percent, and we think that can be a very large program for us. So just looking at the menu as we've seen it today, like Steve said, we've added the FHA products, etc. We we see it just a tremendous amount of growth still uh, coming. Uh, at a triad. There's also, you know, an opportunity to look at some ancillary products and some other things that, that we think we can we can we can add to over time. It's a, it's a similar process when, when we when we look at KG. KG has um, you know a long term history, it has an incredible set of core competencies. And over the last couple of years we've been trying to develop those core competencies outside of those uh, initial products and the ones that, that that they've had for years and we've been been quite successful primarily on the marketing side over the last couple of months and some of these new products, but also in the partnership side and really the CCIM business where we've, mm -hmm. where we've acquired over a billion and a half dollars worth of assets, which was a total change for the industry going from bank to bank to bank to investors. That's something that, that KG, uh, KG did on its own. So you, you look across these businesses, not only do we see you know, fantastic near-term growth, we think we've got a long way to go in terms of really developing these franchises. That's really helpful. And then um, on the inorganic question I have, um, and um, Jeff asked part of the question in terms of, of things if you're looking to acquire, but I guess uh, on the remaining businesses, and we'll see where the stock price trades tomorrow, but on the remaining businesses, when you think about you know valuations on that and you 
your success in monetizing the service finance business. I'm kind of curious on how you're thinking about the rest of the business. Um, and, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity to grow it organically, but in terms of monetizing or how else you're thinking about, you know, when you think about the remaining ECN. Thank you. I, I, I think that's when you look at, I'll let John talk to KG, but when you look at, at, at Triad, I think there was a moment in time when we bought the business where some people, not all, and not the majority of some people, had the stigmatism of looking down at it as, you know, quote-unquote mobile homes, which it's not. And, I, you know, we've had a great partnership and friendship with Mark and with his team. We've done exceedingly well, you know, well beyond what our expectations were. We're going to surpass that with Triad because affordable housing is here and we are the leader in affordable housing. Yeah, yes, we have Berkshire Hathaway and yes to this, but they don't have our growth rates. And we're the number two provider by size. We're number one by growth rate. And it's um, and we've, we've invested all the time and effort. We put in all that we made a $6 million investment in systems so we could provide Freddie and Fannie underwritten mortgages and loans. Then we put, invested in systems to do FHA. Then we invested in floor plan systems and we put in the credit processes and all of that hard work and effort by our by our partners and friends at Triad is now coming to fruition. Um, yeah, I, I'm not an expert in valuation, but this growth rate is that's that's my, that's your expertise, not mine. But I think that growth rate is going to surpass uh, service finance. Um, and then, uh, John, if you want to chat on KG. Yeah, I, I I would just add similar sentiments to what what Steve just said about Triad. I mean been very clear uh, the successes of, of service finance and I, and, I, and I think also also triad to to a, a large degree I think the Kessler o- over the last couple of years was you know affected by covid and, and some other things and I, I'm not sure that the market has a real appreciation for where we see the value in the Kessler business uh, going forward and into the future I think over the next couple of years with um, you know the efforts that are going on inside the company and, and with, with help uh, from ECN uh, we see some real opportunity to grow that franchise and add value. So, um, you know, never say never, Vincent. Obviously, there's a price for for, for anything, but um, we feel like there's a lot more upside uh, over the next couple of years uh, inside inside ECN. Uh, we look forward to realizing that. If you just a final comment, Vincent, before we move on to the next question, is that if you look to you know, our our bank, credit union, life co partners are the demand for our assets is up significantly. You know, we're getting inbound inquiries now on do you need to own floor plan? Can we structure a front fund on floor plan? The answer is yes. Um, so I think we can further perfect and fine tune our model about origination and management on behalf of our partners. Um, so we're comfortable, very comfortable we have the, the capital to, to grow our business. Thanks again, and congratulations again. Thank you. The next question comes from Tom McKinnon with BMO Capital. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks very much for taking my question here, um, or questions, it's a couple. Um, first, with respect to the price paid for service finance, um, if I sort of back out a little bit of the corporate overhead uh, that might have been associated with service finance, um, would a price of about 20 times 22, 2022 operating earnings after tax be kind of uh, un, uh, close to what you think uh, you got in the $2 billion price for service finance? Okay. Um, yeah, Tom, I mean, you, you can do the math. We've, we've given you the guidance of... Um, uh, what we thought for 2021, and if you if you uh, affect that, uh, to ta- you know, with a with a normalized tax rate for for where we were, you can you can generally see where uh, the multiple uh, would have been, and, and and I think I think you're not you're not wrong in your math. Okay, thanks. And uh, um, secondly, what what's the implications for funding partners as a result of not having service finance? Um, are some funding partners like funding all three? of these segments and uh, given service finance is not here, are they going to be, is there any implications for uh, the deal as far as, you know, your relationships or, 
or with funding partners or do funding partners have uh, uh, um, I'm in for help triad but I want service finance as well and if service finance is not there then I'm not going to be part of the triad uh, um, maybe you can uh, talk or walk through that for us please yeah well, that's a good question Tom there is, there is no cross between funding partners at at, at triad nor service so you know the triad partners we, we sorry the service finance partners will still have uh, three months to close, so we'll continue to honor their, they are hell or high water obligations, and we'll continue to buy that paper. Uh, the triad group stands in a don't on its own. However, you know, I think we've established an extremely good relationship with certain partners like CPPIB, and it's clear that, that Truist is going to take those assets going forward in 22 onto their balance sheet. But there's an opportunity to re-engage with those partners who had to, you know, if you look at CPPIB and go to their annual report, Tom, they refer to the credit deal with service finance as their most successful credit investment in 21. And I would hope, this is a hope, you'd hope that they, we could have a conversation with CBPIB about coming as a funding partner to try it. Um, but there is no cross, there is no cross uh, pollinization or cross ownership or cross cross agreements between the three, the three silos. And the last question, uh looks like the dividend might be somewhere around a 20% payout uh, um, as you right size the company would we look for some something around a 20% payout ratio 25 yeah Tom I think we'll come back and talk that in Q3 we're going to maintain a dividend the board has the has the uh, the approval of dividends management has made has not made a recommendation yet other than the sake that we'll continue a dividend so we'll have to get back to you that time Okay, thanks and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. The next question comes from Kihan Chunke with Seifel. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, most of my questions have been answered, but um, just to confirm, I believe, Steve, you mentioned there was a non compete clause um, post the transaction with Service Finance for um, home improvement loans. Just to confirm, um, that only is applicable within U.S., um, or is it state-by-state, state or is it nationwide, or I uh, just want to confirm that. Yeah, it's, it's a 24-month non-compete specific to the U.S., specific to residential home improvement. Okay, thanks for, for clarifying. Um, just going back to Kessler, John, it sounds like you know there's a lot of new Initiatives on the go, um, you mentioned the student loan partnerships, identity protection, buy now, pay later. Um, how do we think about what those uh, partnerships could look like from a you know, structure perspective, revenue perspective? Because it sounds like it's, it's pretty different than what you know, Kessler Group has historically been known for. Um, so how do we think about what the potential is from those new partnerships and new, and new programs? Um, John, like... Like we said, it, these are newer initiatives for us, so we're, we're moving forward uh, with them. We, we hope to be able to give you a more robust update in the Q3 and, and certainly at Investor Day. Um, each of these areas are going to have sort of different components and aspects to them. Um, there's a combination of, of partnership opportunities, like we mentioned uh, in the student loan space, where, we've, where we have uh, connected with a 12 million plus member uh, student loan um, uh, provider. Uh, there's also multiple different opportunities in the marketing space. It, you know, it's, it's a little early to, to go through each of those uh, things individually, but hopefully we'll have uh, a lot of better information for you as they sort of evolve and, and we get towards Investor Day. Gotcha, thanks. And then just one more question from me with respect to Triad. Um, the, in the updated guidance for, for 2022, um, you mentioned that originations are set to um, go through the billion-dollar range for 2021. I'm wondering what um, origination assumptions you have for the updated guidance for for 2022 for Triad. Yeah, Chad. If you look if you look back at the slide it, after we uh, say what we uh, expect earnings to 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 kind of look like, we say we expect uh, originations of about a 1.25 to 1.5 billion. Uh, for 2020, and I, and I think right. it would be. Uh, it, it, 
I would I would point you towards the high end of that range, given the success we've had in land home and the FHA approval this afternoon. So I would, you know, if you had to pick a number, pick a billion four to a billion five in that range. Appreciate uh, the color there, guys. Congrats on the deal, and uh, that's it for me. Thanks. Next question comes from Mario Mendonca with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Good evening. Um, Steve, I think you, you referred to, in your presentation, you referred to uh, changing dynamics in the business that encouraged or maybe uh, certainly not necessitated, but encouraged you to make, that, make this sale of service finance. I, I have an idea of what dynamics you're referring to. What would it be helpful to hear from you is what dynamics are you thinking about and do those dynamics also apply to triad? Yeah, so I think you know, it's the, the, the um, interbank sale, uh, proposed sale by, bought by regions really, I think, opened up the eyes to everyone. About the, as you know, Mario, <clears throat> both U.S. and Canadian banks are flush liquidity uh, looking for, for new loan production. I think that transaction... I think brought focus to that. Um, I'm happy to be the second transaction after that because uh, we had the dominant platform, um, you know. And I think that demand for loan product, particularly home improved product, is is insatiable in the short term. Um, and I, you know, as I would comment to you, I think the world is pretty perfect right now. And you know, we've we've had a, I think a pretty good history, Mario, of things where. You see increasing bank participation. I would reference you back to the sale of ECN's corporate finance business to PNC, which was an attractive business. When you see that increased participation, it's time to be a time to be a seller. Steve, um, the only thing I would add, Mario, is um, you know as as we've said before, eventually the, this business in particular was going to get enough scale that that a bank or someone else would have interest in it. We've, we've clearly accomplished that at, at, at Service Finance. It's an area that the banks are now focused on, as you've seen from, from several acquisitions, but they're really only focused on those prime and super prime platforms that are out there. And, and given the scale um, that we've been able to, to build inside of Service Finance, it's just, it's just there's going to be a time um, where that business should sit on either a depository or a life co or someone who's got a real low cost of money. And, and I think, Mary, you wanted to, if I think the question was two parts, maybe I'm wrong, but two parts is, does, is, does my view on industry dynamics, what does that mean for Triad? Is that a fair? Yeah, I think the dynamics probably apply to Triad as much as they do to service finance, but maybe I've got it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, yeah, you're right, but maybe the one thing that's a little different, Mario, is the tenor of the loans. In Triad, because we are producing longer-term loans, they are by far a better match for life codes and for credit unions. You know, we don't we have a little bit of bank participation in those programs, not a lot, um, and we don't we haven't seen as much liquidity go into the life and credit union industry as we have in the other aspects. So I, I don't. Um, if you had to pick a partner for Triad down the road, I suspect it's not a bank. I suspect it's somewhere in those areas, and and it's you know we we do benefit. You know, one of the great things I about affordable housing is, it, is it's needed, and there is a stigmatism attached to it. You know, if you talk to bank partners about some of our other bank partners about manufactured homes, they kind of look away, and I think that's great for us because it has credit credit performance that's better than home improvement loans. And I think that stigmatism benefits the, the, the walls, you will, around our origination platform. And then finally, I would say that we've, like with service finance, we've taken the time and effort to make sure that we've built regulatory moats around our origination platform. You know, we, are, we are licensed and we don't rely upon things like federal bank preemption. We don't sell loans to a bank and then buy them back. That's not our operating platform. A different kind of question. Yeah. No, go ahead. Sure. Different kind of question then. When you take in $2 billion pre-tax, billion and a half after tax, uh, there are plenty of things you can do with it, and there's plenty of options at your disposal. Um, a, special is not the, a special dividend is not the only thing you could have done. Uh, right. Why do you rule out things like buybacks or holding on to a portion of the cash to allow you to fund another acquisition, why why is all of it being 
devoted to a special? And, and particularly, why not buybacks? What was the logic there? So, Mario, I think I think at the end of the day, it's it's about the most efficient way to get all the capital back to shareholders, and it's the the most efficient way to limit our exposure to capital markets going forward. To do an SIB, for example, uh, would be the simplest answer. Sorry. Eliminate your exposure to what? To the capital markets while we're in the while we're doing the tender offer itself. I think it's the best outcome for shareholders. Okay. Uh, my final question then is, yeah. Gary, can I, can I just add one more, one more, yep. uh, one more comment to your question? I think with respect to, to M and A, things are pretty pricey, and uh, and I mentioned to you before, I think things are primed for perfection. Um, we have the benefit, thank goodness, of strong organic growth. Um, so I, I prefer that, and we have adequate capital because we we've not maybe not perfected it, but we've gone a long way on our asset light, our capital light model. We don't need as much capital as we did in the past to grow our business materially. Um, so I'm comfortable with the capital base we have. We're not going to issue equity. We can grow the business significantly with our base in place. And I think in the M&A market, I think I would prefer to come back in the M&A market down the road, this is not the time to be acquiring my personal view, not the time to acquire um, platforms. And Mario, Michael, maybe one other point on the on the dividend. Uh, we're, we're still doing the analysis now, but we expect to be able to pay a significant portion of the dividend on a, on a tax-efficient basis to Canadian shareholders, so that would uh, make it even more attractive than, than buying back uh, shares. I got it. My final question is more of a numbers question. Uh, the interest expense in your guidance for 2022 at $15 million, uh, I believe that's right, corporate interest, that's uh, that's really high relative to what you had guided for for 2021 and given the reduction in the debt outstanding that you've offered, the $350 million. So I feel like I'm missing something in your corporate interest expense guidance. Interest versus yeah, I think I think Mario, the plan is to uh, we'll go through a detailed balance sheet with you. But I, you know, those preps we have outstanding. You'll see the preferred share dividend is down materially going forward. So it's it's better for us to 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 use debt. Um, that debt can be the form of senior line, or it can be a form of a hybrid. A hybrid gives you 50% equity treatment from respect of a rating agency. So you, if you have a hybrid at six percent and the pref at six, it, it becomes uh, it becomes uh, far more attractive to the hybrid. I, I, you know, I I'm trying to, you know, we still got prefs in the marketplace. We haven't made the decision to what to do with them, but I think it's pretty clear based upon our forecast what we intend to do with our pref. Yeah, better, better to use better to use a debenture or a hybrid to to refinance that pref. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think your debt right now is what is it? Six hundred and fifty million? Is that is that right? I think that's it's about six hundred million total right now. You go from six hundred million to three fifty, but your your uh, interest expense guidance is down very very modestly. So uh, maybe this isn't the right time to get into it, but the fifteen million uh, it just doesn't doesn't uh, I don't quite understand it. Because yeah, you're down a lot more. Yeah, Mario, why don't we come back? It has to do with how you're treating the hybrid, which will be the form of financing for the PREF. So why don't we'll, if it's okay, we'll come back and do a reconciliation for you. Thank you. The next question comes from Jamie Gloin with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yeah, I think you uh, you answered my question. I was just going to dig into uh, the preferred shares, and it sounds like uh, we should see some buybacks on that in 2022. Uh, so my next, uh, my second question was going to be the uh, <clears throat> on the tax rate. Uh, looks like it's going back up to the 20% range. Can you give us a little bit of color on why that's moving up higher from 17% previously? Hi, Jamie. It's Michael. Um, as you can imagine, with the size of the, the gain we're, we're recording on this transaction, we're going to use a lot of the uh, 
we're going to do as, as much uh, tax planning to, to minimize the, the cash tax uh, portion of the gain now, but uh, they're, they're obviously that's going to impact our rate going forward. As that's the, the trade-off. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. There are no further questions registered at this time. And this concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.